The EC Podcast exists to equip believers and to make disciples and love others for the glory of Jesus Christ. Bobby Payne, and welcome to episode number 10, the live show. Hello, live audience. I knew that was going to work. There's actually people here. There are people here. (laughs) They are staring right at us. It's awesome. So (laughs) this is where we are answering questions submitted to us in front of a live studio audience, and we are here at Eden Chapel, and with me today is Pastor Aaron Case. Give him a hand. This is awesome. This is awesome. Pastor Jonathan Mitchell. And Pastor Gary Singleton. This is already going better than what happens in the room. This is so much more fun. Yeah, no one cheers for us down here. This is exciting. All right. I'll start if y'all want me to. Okay, we can 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 in some applause while we're down there. Uh, First off, I want to give some information before we get started on the question. So first off, thank you all to the listeners who've been following us, praying for us, and encouraging us on this journey, and who are here tonight um, to encourage us as well. We are very thankful for you and appreciate all of the prayers and feedback that you give us each week. Secondly, thank you to the elders here at EC. Um, Each week they drop knowledge on us to help us strive to be more like Jesus Um, And we're thankful for that. And this requires a lot of prayer, study, prep to pull off. This isn't something that we just show up and do. And so we are grateful for you all. And thank you very much for that. Today we will do our best to answer the questions submitted the best that we can. We believe that everything we discuss is based on scripture and not our own opinions. Some of these questions are difficult and may require more time to fully answer than we're able to give tonight. If that is the case... It will and could be used in a future episode. So if you submitted a question and you don't think we answered it fully, don't panic. It may be something that we look to in a future episode. And lastly, um, we do not claim to know all of the answers. But what we do claim is that there is a God who does know them all. And because of that, we want to search through the scriptures the best we can um, and believe that God will reveal himself to us through his word. And so that's our goal every time we do this. And that's our goal tonight. Uh, because some of these questions will be difficult. Uh, So just keep that in mind as we go through them, and we hope you enjoy. And I think we're ready to kick off with the first question. Anybody want to add anything else before we start? No, let's go. All right, here we go. And the questions will be up there as well on the screen so that you can see them. (laughs) So question number one, how can the biblical view of theonomy benefit the world today? And Aaron, you're going to start this one off for us. Yeah, just to uh, protect the identity of the questioner. We're going to call his name Claude. (laughs) When Aaron sent this question, I said, that's Claude, and I was right. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. we're going to call his name Claude because that's his name. Um, Yeah, theonomy. How many of you out there, 
besides my wife and those I've talked to you before this, know what theonomy is, being honest. Theonomy, <laughs> theonomy is basically God's law. Theos for God and namas for law. And so what the idea is, theonomy is the application of God's law today, okay? So if we think about God's law, beginning, what I honestly think about, and I know many of you have probably had this, this kind of issue with those who are atheists, they will come up to you and say, well, you don't follow God's law, you, you eat shellfish, you right, use fire, uh, fibers, different fibers in your shirt, different things like that. And so we must have a good understanding of God's law, but what the bottom line is and the way the question was asked is, how does it apply to today? And so we would basically see three different ways of understanding God's law and how it's broken down. There's the ceremonial law or the sacrificial law, right? Where is because Christ has come, we have a better sacrifice. We no longer need the blood of bulls and goats to cover our, or to temporarily even point to the covering of sin. But now we have the Christ, the one who once and for all settled that. And then we also have the moral law, which we would say continues today um, which is basically do not kill, do not steal. Obviously, would say that none of us have any issue with that moving forward, but where there is debate is the judicial law, which is how all that works out, like how we make our laws. And what we would say here at Eden Chapel is that, of course, we want God's law to be leveraged in every area of life. We believe God's law is perfect, and I think so many times as Christians, we look at the New Testament and we say, well, we're under grace and we throw the law away completely. And that's not what the scriptures teach. Basically, the working out of the law and how it works in our time is where there can be debate. Um, there, there's always the talk about the parapet on the wall of, of the roof of a house. If someone fell, you were liable for that person's life. So rather than making laws like that and understanding how they would work in our our lives today, we would say we need to love our neighbor, right? That's the underlying truth underneath that law. And so basically seeing how that would work out is where there's, where there's some gray area. But beyond that, yes, we would say we want to leverage God's law in each and every way. One of the examples that we used beforehand is when Jeff Durbin is speaking about being pro-life and he's talking with someone who doesn't believe in abortion because of rape or incest, right? Or believes that it should be allowed. And he says, well, I would say under God's law that the rapist deserves death. But what you're saying is because of the rapist's sin, the baby deserves death. And so it's justly discerning what the scriptures teach and applying that to life. So what we see in our world right now is obviously there's a secular law of our land. It's doing a pretty good job, but we always believe that God needs to be more involved. So what do we do? How do we ha make that happen? Obviously, at this point, it's not God's will. Um, so what we would say is, at our level, at the church level, at the Christian level, we apply God's law in every way. We forward that into making disciples who go out and then maybe obviously get into um, politics and then bring those laws to bear, trusting God to be sovereign over the whole thing. Yeah, there's never a moment where we say it a lot here that we put up our sword. So we're always calling people to the word of God. 
uh, whether it be politicians, um, whether it be our friends, neighbors, family, ourselves, we're always keeping the word of God in our hands, proclaiming it, because we know that it's true and good and right. There is the juxtaposition, I think, that you deal with where, okay, but we are supposed to be submissive to our rulers, knowing that God has established them and put them where they're at, so in, a, in so much as they never call us to dishonor God. Um, but we're always calling it to it because politicians make bad laws sometimes. You know, I mean, not too long ago, slavery was okay. Um, so just because it's a law doesn't mean it's right. Um, so we're always calling attention to the good and right uh, law of God. Uh, while we also live in a, in a time where we do understand we, we need to honor our leaders um, the best that we can as long as we honor God as well. Anybody else want to add? You good with that? You good? You good? Amen. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Excellent. Okay. Perfect. Thank you guys for that. Uh, let's move on to question number two. Question number two says, how can we be sure what a text means if there are many ways it can be interpreted? Um, let's maybe help the question out a little bit. Okay. I think that's important because the text only has one meaning, and that's important. So when it comes to interpreting something, um, you know, Miss Janie may be reading something, and Dakota may be reading the same text, and it doesn't mean two different things because there are two different people reading it, because there's one author of Scripture. You know, that's what Second Timothy 3 says. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's, it's useful for reproof, for rebuke, for instruction, to train us up. And so... If one author has one meaning, we need to understand that meaning. Now, application, yeah, application can have maybe different ways that it applies to us. But I, I kind of, I thought about this a little bit, and we actually talked about this in youth just three weeks ago. I think 2 Corinthians is helpful on this, uh, or 1 Corinthians 2. Paul is talking about, you, you don't have to use like lofty speech. You, we just preach the word of God. We've talked about that before. Preach the gospel, because... The gospel is the power of God unto salvation, not how wise or um, how logical we can be. And so in the same way, when we study scripture, think about, think about these words in 1 Corinthians 2. Um, Paul writes, he says, And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. And so what I think is really important is when we talk about interpretation, no one that's natural can interpret Scripture correctly. We need the Holy Spirit of God. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how long you've studied Scripture. If the Holy Spirit of God is not helping you interpret Scripture, you're not going to get the meaning correctly. And we need to understand that. And so as natural people... We need the Holy Spirit of God to help us understand what the Spirit-breathed Word of God is saying. And so when we're talking about interpretations, uh, I, I would say a few things that we told our students a few weeks ago. When you approach the Word of God, do it three ways. And this doesn't have to be comprehensive. Prayerfully, humbly, and submissively. Do those things. Knowing you don't have it all together, you can't figure it all out, you need the Holy Spirit of God to help you understand the Word of God. And then... When we talk about interpretation, do it the right way. There's, there's a good hermeneutic and there's a bad hermeneutic. So bad hermeneutic would be something called eisegesis, 
So that's coming to the text with what we want to put into it, all right? So that's putting into the text. So, you know, if I think something as awful as slavery is a good thing, well, I might find texts that help me support that. Now, that would be a wrong use of the text, but I'm putting into it. Uh, where we want to be exegetes. We want to exegete the text. So exegesis is seeing what the scripture says, taking out of. And so what does God say? And uh, one of my favorite pastors talks about this. Like, you know, he says, we're not going to Bible studies. And sometimes that can be the really harmful things about Bible studies. Is when we go to Bible studies going, well, what does that say to you? Because that's a, that can be a dangerous game. Imagine reading Genesis 22 together. And as, as we're reading you know, Alex says, well, based upon that text, it's saying to me, it would be good to maybe build a fire up on a mountain one day. And I don't think that's the point. Dakota, you know, maybe when he has a son one day, he's saying, I just need to spend a little bit more quality time with my son. <laughs> and no, that's the text about um, God providing a sacrifice when Abraham was going to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And so <laughs> the, the point is to see with a good lens what the text is actually saying. And and I, th- I think you said it, that it requires a bit of humility to not go into the text with some sort of predisposition of, this is what I want this text to apply to, yeah. to make myself feel better about it. Yeah, absolutely. And then I would, I would lastly say, read the text understanding what Jesus said in Luke 24 when he said, all the things that the prophets um, spoke of, the law and the prophets spoke of, we're talking about me. Uh, so read it understanding what, what the Bible is. What we just talked about to our kids this morning in, uh, in children's church is that the, the Bible is God's holy word, and it's a story about how God rescues his people through his son, Jesus. That's a good way to read the scripture. Amen to that. If you're at a Bible study and someone says, what does that mean to you? Run. <laughs> <laughs> Rebuke and then run. Okay. The two R's. Yeah. That's what we try to live by. <laughs> or, or that God gave me a word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we got it. We got a we whole got 66 got books of it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Question number three, moving on. Gary, this was coming to you. Why do we still struggle with past sin even after we are born again? What I would say is uh, the devil uh, still taunts me to this day for my past sin and will probably continue to do so till the day I die and if it were not for God and his holy word I would be uh, taken in by the devil I wouldn't be uh, incapable of uh, attempting the best I can to live a godly life um In God's word, Romans 3, uh, verses 22 through 25, this helped me to understand that I'm not alone. Um, We have all sinned. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. 
that helped me out so much when I on my journey after uh, listening to Aaron one day, preach one Sunday uh, on this subject, and understanding that I'm not alone, and that by God's grace, my guilt was was nailed to a cross. So I no longer live in that guilt and shame. I walk forward. And I would say this to anybody who is suffering or who is uh, uh, being belittled by the devil for your past sins. If you've repented, truly repented of your sin, you have been forgiven. God has forgiven you. It is time to move forward. I heard a preacher one time talk about um, this analogy of our Christian life. And it's kind of like driving in a car. You got this big windshield in front of you. You can see everything out the side windows, up out in the front. And then to look back, you got this little bitty mirror, the rear view mirror that you look back on. And that's it. That's just, it's a glance. That's all our past is. God put this right out here in front of us, all of this. <clears throat> and remember that you, if you are a born-again Christian, that you have repented of your sin and believed in God, that you are a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We need to walk in that newness of life promised in Christ Jesus. Amen. I think the struggle is a good thing, too. Uh, it proves you're alive. proves right? you're alive, yeah. yeah. And so I think of Paul in Romans 7. You know, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. And what we need to remember is Jesus doesn't need our help to overcome our sin. Uh, Romans, he, right on the, the hills of that statement, in Romans 7, he gets to Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And so when, when Satan tries to accuse the brethren, you take him to the cross and you say, your head was crushed there. Amen. Uh, that, you know, just as Revelation says, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Uh, God doesn't need our help, you know, to do it. Mm. And so we should live fighting from the victory of the cross, not fighting for the victory to receive forgiveness. And I think that's, when we struggle with sin, take, take the accuser to the cross. I think that's, that's the most important thing we can do. Anybody else? All right. We're ready to move on to question number four. Did God make sin? Aaron? <laughs> do we really even need to answer? Um, <laughs> no, really. I think so. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, you know, that's just an easy one right there. It's softball. Um, <laughs> Swing away. This is probably... <laughs> <laughs> this is probably why we gave the whole disclaimer at the beginning. Um, to plumb the depths of this question would take more time than we'll have or that you'd be willing to give tonight. But um, let me try to make it as simple as I can um, without making the matter more complex than it needs to be. 
um, what we would say is God ordains everything that comes to pass. And when we have simply an idea, which what honestly we know very well would be the most common in church right now, is that God just basically did the best he could and things kind of fell apart and now he's scrambling to make a new plan. Um, that's just not the case. It's just not the case. Our God is sovereign and in control. And so therefore, what we can conclude is what we have in our world today, what we experience, what we've seen in time past, present, and what we will see in the future can be used for his glory. Um, that is the goodness of him. We just, our last episode, which I was ha happy to see many people signing up to listen to, um, no one can write a story like God wrote for the Gossett family. No one but God. No one can write the story like you all have had and you're coming to faith other than our Lord. So what has he done? He has used evil and wickedness and redeemed it for his own glory. That's what he does. That's the story of our world and all of creation. That's the story of the cross. And so what we would say is there was a potentiality of falling and sin. And what God has done is ordained and allowed it for his own glory. Okay, so what we would see is that in, in the garden, when Adam and Eve chose to sin, what ended up happening there was God created men free. That was the only time. We love our freedom. We love to bicker and fight about it. But that's the only time man was completely free. We were free in the garden. Free, free, free. I don't know what that was. Um, freedom. <laughs> or is that good? No. Um, I thought if I used that, I could sneak away. But anyway. And what did we do with our freedom? We would have done the exact same thing or worse than them, right? They chose sin. Sin came into the world. We say that's not fair. No, let me tell you it wasn't fair. Jesus going to the cross to pay for our sin that we've done freely, amen? And so did God make sin? No, he created an environment where it could enter in and then man freely chose to sin. Satan freely chose to fall. I mean, we talked about, it, I think G brought it up, but James 1, uh, God does not, he's not tempted with evil, nor does he tempt any man with evil, you know, so God is completely holy, and we could spend, we will spend eternity trying to understand that. Uh, he is holy, 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 and so I, I don't even think we can say he, we couldn't even insinuate that he makes sin, because he's that holy. He's completely absent of that, like no moral failure with God. Um, and so he doesn't tempt any man with evil, um, nor does he tempt it with evil. Well, and just to add to that, um, when we look at Romans 9, and we look at the whole potter and the clay going back and forth, um, Paul writes and he says, who are you, O man, to answer back to God, right? What we know is the character of God is that he is always good, he's always righteous, He's always just. He will always do right. Mm -hmm. And so we trust in that. That's not a cop-out in that situation. That's a simple proclamation of the fact of who our Lord and Savior truly is. Amen. Amen. And like you said, that may be something that we look into the future episodes to dig a little deeper. No. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Statement. No, 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 no. <laughs> just messing. All right, let's move He's on. Not. He's not. <laughs> That's okay. 
It's all love here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is. Question number five. Will God still experience sorrow from our sin in eternity? Aaron, that one's coming back to you according to my notes here. I don't see that on the notes. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> same, same answer. No, the answer's no. Um, and the answer's no for this reason. This, this was a really good question. Um, and I think it allows us to have a good conversation. Can you, can you ask it again in case yeah. people didn't hear? Will God still experience sorrow from our sin in eternity? Sure. Well, what we understand is there are what is known as in Scripture as anthropomorphisms. Does anybody know what that is? Anthropomorphic language is using uh, human terms to explain the process of what God is going through and how he decides things and his emotions. So it's a conversation I have with folks again too many times when dealing with God's sovereignty, when we think about, oh, well, we look in the Old Testament and God repented of this, or God was sorry he did this. What, what that language is meant to do is to lead us to understanding God's heart and his perfect will for his creation. He's not saying, I just let it go without being checked, or I just let it go without disapproval. No, there will be answers for those who choose to rebel against him. And so, the beauty of the culmination of uh, creation and the end of time judgment is that everything will be judged perfectly. Those who will receive judgment will receive so due to what they have done and how they've chose to reject Christ. And those who will receive mercy will have it eternally because of the blood of Jesus Christ has covered all their sins. So when we, when we look at anthropomorphic language, we need to be careful not to apply it as God being like us because he is completely other than. Yeah, he's not sense. limited to those things. I think of that question in regards to, I mean, it could maybe in two ways. So is, is God going to be grieved in eternity over the sin of the elect? Because you have in Ephesians 4, do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed. What were you sealed for? the day of redemption. So there is coming a day when things will be made totally right. And so there will be no grieving in eternity over our sin because once again, that's dealt with by Jesus on the cross and it will fully and finally be consummated to be enjoyed forever. But then what about the sins of those who are unrighteous and die in their sin, die in their rebellion? I think of Revelation 19 where uh, this great and awful day has happened Jesus Christ returns and people are judged rightly judged for their sin and it says that the people of God rejoice in that hallelujah salvation belongs to our God and they do it so rejoicing in the judgment the the just and righteous wrath of God and I I mean I talked to the guys about this I can't quite fathom all that because I think undoubtedly I, I will undoubtedly I hate that's my pet peeve when I put a B on it and I did it um <laughs> but undoubtedly there will be people that I know that will be in hell forever for rejecting the grace of God but when I see the holiness of God and the righteous wrath of God do sin I, I can't fathom that I won't be crying but in, instead of crying I'll rejoice at God's holiness rather than their suffering I, I, that's boggles a, my that's mind. That's a hard pill but, to swallow. Yeah, sure. yeah right. so I don't think 
I don't think God is going to be sorrowful for that because he's justly executing his righteous wrath forever. Thank you for that, gentlemen. Let's move on to question number six. With the trajectory of schools in America, is there ever a good reason to send your kids to public schools? Jonathan? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it ultimately goes back to parents. It's your responsibility to raise and teach and monitor your kids in uh, the name of, of Christ. And so I say this, your child's education is on your hands. And we live in a world today where we like to send our children places to get what they need, right? We send them to school to learn. We send them to church to get their spiritual uh, needs met. And then, you know, the things we love to teach them are how to hit a baseball uh, for, for whatever reason. So ultimately, it comes back to parents, it's your job. You know, you, you are the lead disciple maker in your household. God's appointed that for you. Fathers, love your, love your children. Um, don't provoke them to anger. Um, and uh, uh, mothers, raise and nurture your children uh, to love Jesus. And so that's important. So when I think about the question, ultimately what I would say is, I think there's still reasons to go. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about this. All this coming from a guy that right now we're praying about how we can help uh, families here in Seymour to um, homeschool and to, to provide needs because we know that it's a, it's a great need. But I also think I've seen it done well. I think of, I was telling Aaron about this the other night, I think specifically of one family that I know of um, in South Knoxville who have raised their children to love Jesus. And those kids went to Southwell High School and flipped it upside down. Like it was like discipling people you would thought would never even, would never even touch the, the floor of a church. We're bringing them in, having Bible. I would go to Chick-fil-A on a Monday morning and see them reading the Bible with these, these people. So I think there are good reasons. Obviously, Bobby, you're a teacher, and, you know, you, uh, you might want to share a little about that, but it's yeah. an awesome opportunity. Yeah, I, I think not to steal the thunder from, the, from our guys up here, but um, I think this is an important question. I teach at a public school, and I would say that there is good reason. I attended public school when I was growing up, and there, there are great reasons to be there. There are also terrible reasons to be there. Um, and we discussed it in our prep that the way you can help yourself in this decision is by taking up the responsibility at home. Yeah. Um, your children will be discipled in some way, shape, or form, good, good or bad. Um, and so the, the main discipleship needs to take place at home. Um, I see teachers every day that I, that I teach with that, uh, that love the Lord and that are loving the kids in a way, in the best way that they can in the public, public education system to show them Jesus. Yeah. And, you know, that we're lucky where we live that that, that is the case more often than not. Um, you know, there are other places in the country where that is probably not the case. Uh, but we live in a place where it is. And so, you know, for, for me and for my family, I, I think there are great reasons to go there to, just like you said, disciple those who may never um, step foot near a church. Uh, but, I mean, we could sit here and, and argue the opposite way. Yeah. Aaron, would you like to add anything to that? I know that you have a little different experience. 
Yeah, well, I mean, what I would say is, I would, I would repeat what many of you, much of what you guys have said and the fact that I think the biggest issue in the church today is the lack of discipleship in the home. Uh, the reason, like Johnny said, we, we send our kids off to different departments to get what they need to get, and we are never personally giving it to them. If I'm not discipling in the, in the home, it does not matter where I send my kids, they're going to fall away. Yeah. They're not going to have that foundation to stand no matter what they come up against. So what I would say is um, there are probably definitely certain contexts where public school will be the answer. I think of single moms. Again, like Johnny said, Lord willing, at Eden Chapel, we're going to be offering something to help those who can't afford to do so, but, uh, so pray about that. Um, but also to the fact that if you can, um, not all private schools are great. They're filled with, what's a good word I can use and not what we used before, but anyway, uh, just the, a bunch of little punks there too, right? Uh, just richer um, as all they are, but... What I would say is... Not Richard. Uh, Richard. Yeah, well, no. I know a few named Richard, and I don't care for any of them. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, but seriously, uh, I would say this. If you can homeschool, homeschool. Pour into your child's life. I think our inability to do some things reveals a lot about our hearts, to be quite honest with you. And so knowing this, like what what you guys have said, you have to answer for your child's education. What are you pouring into them? If you decide one way or the other, you better believe that it better not be the few hours a week. If you're super spiritual a few hours a week because you come on Wednesdays, right? Uh, That all of this life, all the YouTube, all the shows, all the games, all the interactions with those who are lost is going to outweigh the little bit they get at church. Make sure that doesn't happen. That's your responsibility. I think we could even reword this question a little bit and say the trajectories of the trajectory of America. Yeah. I mean, this is not just a school issue. Sure. This is this goes beyond just a school issue and, and could be a problem anywhere if we're not taking care of business where we should be. And it goes back to the second episode we ever had. The there's a war on the family. And if moms and dads will start caring more about their children's eternity than how well they hit a ball or what grades they make or not that those things aren't important but um, you know what what our mission for what we want to do here is going to be all that we are doing is helping equip our children to for the job that God has ordained for them to have and that's what we want to do so in your in in educating your child whether public school private school homeschool are you praying over them, pouring into them for the job that God has ordained for them to have to be a missionary wherever it is for the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's the important question. Thank you for that, guys. Let's move on to question number seven. And Gary, this one's yours. Is it up there? Oh, no, it's already up there. <laughs> Gary? <laughs> Um, Will there be animals in heaven? Will Fido make it? <laughs> I, I just need to know. It's let, me, let me just say before I, before I say what I'm going to say that, <laughs> <laughs> that I have had animals in my life my whole life. 
Um, Some would say you're an animal, Gary. Yeah, I love, I love my pets. I love my dogs. Love them. Um, but there, there is no biblical text to say our pets go to heaven. Um, so what I, um, so what I would say, what the Bible does say. Um, Human beings and animals are living beings. This is true. However, human beings are created in the image of God, and animals are not. Because we are created in, 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 in the image of God, sorry. Easy for you to say. <laughs> we are capable of spirituality where animals are not. Animals are incapable of repenting of their sin. They're incapable of repenting in their sin and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are created in the image of God. Animals are not. The Bible doesn't give any indication, again, about pets going to heaven. But what we do know, God is just, and we know that when we do get to heaven... We will know and glorify God in all that he has done or ever will do. Like what Johnny was saying earlier. There might be animals in the new heavens, new earth. I mean, that's quite possible. There's some texts that even allude to that. Uh, lion, lamb, uh, cobra with the little baby. Uh, so, so maybe. Um, but, yeah, probably not our pets. But... Just in case. Say, yeah. you, need, you need to share this. Come on. I preach the gospel Come to on. my dog Jennings <laughs> all the time. <laughs> Just in case. You know. Um, <laughs> yeah. And that's what we said. Cats will probably burn forever. Um, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, cat people. Um, I got an amen. Yes. Amen. Um, and snakes. Whew. I told someone, I, th- I was telling you, Bobby, right, that if, if you can own a pet snake, I just don't know if I can be your friend. That scares me. <laughs> scares me. So, um, yeah, I think what Gary said is right. But, you know, um, if there is, like, a gray area there, I do preach the gospel just in case Jennings can somehow understand it and repent and trust in Jesus. Yeah. As long as His blood can... won't be on my hands. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Just couldn't live with that. Can't, no. uh, I understand. Thank you, Gary, for that. We got some amens out there. They're silent amens, so if you're listening, you can't hear it, but we can see it on their sign. So it's very exciting. All right, let's Good move work, on. Gary. Uh, question number eight. Aaron, this one's coming to you. Will we know each other in heaven? Yes. You are on fire today with the one word answers. I just. <laughs> yes, I mean. I think we've believed some sort of cartoon idea of heaven where we're all like dopes hanging up on clouds, good, like playing harps. It ain't going to be like that at all. Like, <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, we've got the harps and there's toilet paper. It's real soft all over. Um, I was no, really hoping to see you play a harp in heaven. You yeah, know what? Yeah, I'll play the snot out of that thing too, man. <laughs> you'll, you'll never see one played like I'll play it. Anyway, what's happening? All right, so, (laughs) yes, we're not going to be dumb. Like, we're going to know more. We're going to see Jesus as he is. We're going to be able to behold his glory 
And understand, as Johnny just alluded to a minute ago, we will know that loved ones, enemies, friends will be in hell, but we will understand the goodness and justice of God so much to the point that we will still worship God through that. And so, yes, there will be no marriage or given in marriage because all of our time, all of our work, all that we do will be in perfect worship to the Lamb who is worthy above all others. So we can't wait for that time. We're not going to be mindless fools. We're going to be more, we're going to be more brilliant than we'd ever imagined we could be because we will be perfected. And I believe, I have, I have very little biblical warrant for this, but I do believe we will learn forever. I believe we will continually learn. And so just to think about being in the presence of Jesus, period, um, that's enough for me. So just bottom line, yes. yes. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Anybody else want to add to that? I think that was, that was pretty good, yeah. All right, we'll move on. Question number nine. And Johnny, this one is coming to you. Will children that don't understand or those with learning disabilities, etc., be saved? Now, let me, let me start off by saying that we are, again, as I, as I alluded to right at the beginning, we're doing our best to, to point to Scripture. This is a difficult question. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think one of the hardest questions, per- personally. Um, you know, I know there's a lot of people that have been affected by this, you know, just shelling Adam last week on the podcast and um, been affected in my own life. I have a, a baby sister who was stillborn um, late, late in my, mo- my mom's pregnancy with her. And uh, my mom cried um, really till the day she died over, over that child. And um, yeah, it's tough. I say all this is uh, there's not a lot of biblical support for what what we would like to think, right? That just everyone goes. Um, as far as the age of accountability you hear a lot, there's no biblical support for that. Um, and, and I think that would bring up a lot of other issues. You know, another common question is what about people who never hear the gospel, you know? Um, you know, in some distant tribe in Africa, and so that would, I think, maybe bring up some problems if we go with age of accountability. Uh, I would simply say this, that there is a problem because we believe in original sin, and we believe that all who are born are born into Adam, and as Jesus says in John 3, in order to be, to inherit the kingdom of heaven, you must be born again, and so there is that, that problem, and what I say is I trust that God will do what is right and good. And he will do what is best. Um, but when I say, when I try to give myself hope according to just black and white in scripture, I, I honestly do struggle with that. You know, I, I will say there is the passage in Second Samuel. You know, if you remember, David has committed this sin with Bathsheba and she is pregnant and Nathan rebukes him. And because of, because of his sin, his son dies. And David fasts and prays, and, and the child dies, and he gets up and begins to eat, and his servants ask him why he's doing this. I mean, you he, he just fasted and prayed, and now the child dies, and you just get up, and he says, what can I do? He's, he's, he's died. Um, but this I know, I will go to him. And so my 
only comfort in that passage is David and um, and then under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit when that book was written David's comforted by that thought so because he's comforted I think there is hope uh, that God I mean we always know God will do what is right and good um, that we will see those who um, maybe have never been born or um, who die in infancy or who have um, you know mental issues that they will be in heaven but uh, yeah uh, on on a very personal level just according to scripture I, I I do understand that there's some real issues that we have to be honest and talk about because because uh, I think it would present problems going forward when we when we say Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except through him. And so uh, that's, I guess, hopefully the, the answer I would give. I think there, I know there is hope in Jesus. And because of that, I know that he does what's right and good. Yeah, that, I was going to say that. As difficult as it is to try to swallow whatever, the, what this question is asking, we have to keep in mind that the creator, the creator of all, has it under control, yeah. and, and, and whatever he does, we know that it's good. Yeah. Well, this is, this is just another place where theology matters, right? Theology matters, and, and this would be a dividing line, another place where I think it would pay for all of us to seriously think through what it means to be saved. The whole idea of an age of accountability that is that is not biblical comes from the idea that I must make a choice to be redeemed. And the way we would teach here at Eden Chapel is to say that salvation is a work of God alone. This is God working and moving in our hearts, so how are we saved? We are regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit, and then when we hear the gospel, we come to life. And so what we are doing is, and I, and I would repeat what Johnny said is, when we look at that passage in 2 Samuel, I don't think that David, how this works out, I don't know, we can debate it until we are face-to-face -face with Jesus, but how this works out is I don't believe David would be joyous to go to his son if there wasn't hope there. If he just simply thought, well, he'll be in Gehenna, I'll be in Abraham's bosom, way to go. You know, I don't think so. I think he literally has a hope in front of him that his son will be with Christ one day. And so, again, what we ultimately have to do, as Pastor said, was to trust in the goodness of God, understanding that he will do what's right and be just in all that he decides. Thank you guys for that. And then here's question number 10. Gary, this one's for you. And we are looking at the explanation, or can you explain, once saved, always saved? Amen. Um, I, uh, it's not my word, it's God's word. Yeah. He did it. <laughs> he did it. I bet someone this morning, at least once, it was Adam. <laughs> yeah, there it is. I knew it was coming. And so the answer I'm going to give is uh, scripture heavy. Uh, this is, uh, we refer to this as perseverance of the saints. All who are spiritually united to Christ through regeneration are eternally secure in him. Nothing can separate us from the eternal and unchangeable love of God. Those who have true living faith in Christ are secure and safe in him. Those who fall from grace 
were never in grace to begin with. There's the argument on the other side. Well, um, if uh, such and such was such a good Christian, then I don't know what happened. I would say that person never was truly saved to begin with. True believers are tempted and do commit sins. But these sins do not cause the believer to lose their salvation and separate them from Christ. The New Testament is full of God's promises. And I'm just going to read, a few, uh, really what I'm going to read doesn't even make a dent in how many promises, uh, how many times God promised um, us salvation uh, eternal. In the New Testament, Matthew 18, 14 says, So it is not the will of my Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. John 6, 37 through 39. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. We need an organ. We need an organ. You know what I'm talking about? When, these, when he reads that, well, okay. It, it would be cool, trust me. Sorry, go ahead, G. That's all right. But raise it up on the last day. That's Jesus. Jesus' words, not mine. <clears throat> Jesus again, John 10, 27 through 30. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. Never means never. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Amen. Romans 8, 1, which John referred to, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. True children of God will not be condemned. We have been delivered once and for all by the sacrificial work of our Savior. Romans 8, 35 through 37, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? The question is asked. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angel, angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.8, I'm just going through the books. <laughs> <laughs> Who, meaning God, will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 4.14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will, will, also ra will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. Ephesians 1, 5 through 14. I love this. <clears throat> he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will, 
to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things in earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having, be, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard this, listen to this, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Sealed in Greek means guarantee. You are guaranteed through the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory? Ephesians 4.30 And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed there's that word again for the day of redemption. Philippians 1, 6, for I, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And finally, Colossians 3, 4, but I could, like I, I had to cut it short. <laughs> <coughs> when Christ, who is your life, appears, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Amen. Woo! Yeah, that's good, man. Here. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I think the bottom line is if you are in Christ you will persevere Amen. we've heard so many people say I know you've you've met them they're like man I know this one guy he was a huge Christian and I've always tried to understand what that meant <laughs> like yeah. really big guy that's, how, really big guy. that's yeah. how they describe me I mean he was a huge Christian uh, but anyway <clears throat> but when they would say you know he used to pray he used to do all these things and you know here he is he's fell away left his family all these other things. And I said, well, your friend had religion. He never truly knew Christ. Better yet, Christ never truly knew him. Yeah. Mm. Um, so what we would say is to say that you, you know, if you believe you get yourself in, you can get yourself out. Well, you've never been in in the first place. And what you would have to say is you would literally have to make God contradict himself to say that you can lose what is assured and purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. There's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. That's Amen. the truth for every believer. And so that's where we put our hope as um, you know, one of my favorite hymns. I have no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. And so when we think about this question, thank God it's not up to me. Um, because I, I wouldn't be able to hold myself. But Jesus does hold me to the very end. And um, I think of Paul's words in First Corinthians 15. You know, he says, you, you've received this gospel, you're, you're standing in it, and you're still being saved by it. That's what he's saying. It's like, unless you believed in vain, there's still coming a day that we're fully and finally going to be saved. Mm. And to get to that point, it's the blood of Jesus that gets us there, nothing else. Even yeah. if we were able to do the very best for ourselves, we still wouldn't choose to do yeah. it. Thank, yeah. thank yeah. God that we don't have to do that. Amen. Because we couldn't. Amen. Yeah. Amen. What Amen. a great question to end on. Yeah. That was a fantastic question fantastic ending 
and I got two, not my word, but God's word, so that was good. <laughs> I, I, I guaranteed at least one, but I got two, so that's good. So that closes out the 10 questions that we had. Any final thoughts from the panel before, well, we, before would, we start closing out? I would just like to say thank you all for taking the time on a Sunday night to be here and to be part of this. And also, before we go, can we just admit that Bobby is the greatest host of all time? Oh, stop. <laughs> stop. No, oh, keep going, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> no, but seriously, thank you. Um, keep, your, keep your questions coming in if you have any uh, that we can do episodes on. Um, we're hoping to give you the ability to be equipped to answer these these questions and these concerns that we see all throughout um, our world and our lives. And so hopefully when we break down these episodes, you'll be able to say when someone's struggling with something, hey, check out this episode on abortion, check out this episode on the grace of God and how salvation occurs. And then you'll be able to show them and Lord willing from a clear and concise way um, what the scriptures say. And then also you'll know that no matter where you stand, Christian, you can stand with confidence. We want to equip you as best as our ability to go out in the world and to make disciples for the glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for that. Amen. Any other final thoughts? We just love you all. I thank, I thank God for each and every one of you. Thank you all. Again, thank you guys for being here with us. Thank you for always listening. Uh, we're going to close in prayer. G, will you close us? I'll close us. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for another day, God, another um, opportunity to worship and glorify you, God. God, I thank you for this church and what it means to, to us and to uh, our families, to, um, to our just being able to fellowship with our brothers and sisters, being able to worship you through the preaching and teaching of your word, Lord, be able to worship you through praise and hymns. God, what a privilege we have to be able to do that here in America. And I thank you so much, God, for, for just loving us, for uh, uh, leading us, for guiding us, for uh, giving us your Holy Spirit, Lord, to uh, empower us, to uh, embolden us, to, to proclaim your word wherever we go and whatever we do, Lord. I thank you so much for us being able to do this podcast tonight and for everybody that's here tonight lord thank you god for that privilege of being able to be here and i ask that you be with us uh, as we go throughout uh, the rest of the week um, that we be the church you've called us to be lord in your name we pray amen thank you for joining us today on the ec podcast if you do not have a church family you can join us on sundays at 10 30 a.m and wednesdays at 6 30 p.m if you're outside the area, we encourage you to find a Bible-believing church for fellowship and worship. Until next time, God bless.